Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. And today I've got Larry Wingett joining me. We're going to talk about business and life, and we'll throw some trucks in there if you want, and uh, just about anything else that crosses your mind. We're going to get to your calls and questions in just a little bit. Larry, welcome. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you again. Well, great to have you here. And uh, how's your day going so far, by the way? You know, it is uh, a gorgeous day here. Rained in Scottsdale, Arizona yesterday, and so uh, that's always a good thing. Bright, sunny today, nice, crisp. It's wonderful. Well, that's fantastic. I don't have bright and crisp and sunny. I have foggy, and uh, but that's nice here. But I got to tell you, it was a great morning. We uh, we have my son and twin grandson staying with us for a couple days, and to wake up to twin three year olds is just a joy. <laughs> I know it is. I have a three year old grandson, a six year old grandson, and a seven year old grandson. So. Uh, when I get to have them all in one, it's noisy, though, isn't it? It is noisy. In fact, if you hear background noise, it's the two little troublemakers running around. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's. I, I've never really been around twins much, so having twins like this is just crazy. They are so identical. They still can stand next to each other. I can't tell which one is which until they do something. Because they are polar yeah. opposites in their personality. You, you you know immediately who's who by their behavior, but you can't tell by looking at them. Wow, that would be uh, strange. It is. It is. It's like uh, two different versions of the same child. It's uh, But it, it's, like I say, it's a joy. It was great waking up with them this morning. So, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of things today, but I kinda want, I, I've got a theme you know, it's something I've been working on in trucking, and we're certainly seeing it in the country right now, and that's change. You know, we seem to be going through some really big changes in a lot of ways. In the country, in the economy, um, technology keeps just moving faster and faster. But in trucking, it's compounded right now. Um, we have a massive change going on in the way we do business, in the vehicles that we're probably going to be driving in the next couple of years. Electric's making a big push into trucking right now, and a lot of autonomous technology, which is certainly scaring people, I get that. Um, but we have a big, big change happening today. It, it kicked off today, so this is good timing. Um, in 1938, they created what are called hours of service. For truck drivers and, you know, pilots and train engineers and eventually there were other people on it. And it's just a way to say, look, if you're going to be controlling this vehicle on the road or in the sky, we want to make sure you're not working too much. So it's a way you have to log your hours. You can only drive so many hours. You can work so many hours. Then you have to have so many hours break. And from 1938 till early 2000s. There was never a single change made to that system. In the early 2000s, they started messing with it, and they haven't got it figured out. They've made a mess of it, and it just keeps changing. But the big, big change that starts today is that since 1938, you recorded those hours in a paper logbook. And 
it's even referred to as a comic book, and you know you could have two or three of them and make up your own reality. It is what we've done as an industry forever. Today is the first day that the paper log books are gone for about ninety eight percent of the drivers, and it's all electronic now. So there's electronic. Wow. Yeah, it's all GPS tied into the truck. The The device knows when you turn the key on and the truck starts. If the truck's moving, everything's now tracked electronically. It's probably the most controversial topic that I've had to deal with in the 32 years I've been in this industry. So it, it's a really split the industry. There are a lot of people that said, look, I love it. I hated doing my paper logbook anyway. This is easier. Um, but a, a, a lot of the industry is is really freaked out that, you know, there's no more what they like to refer to as flexibility, but there never really was. You know, the rules were the rules. It was just on paper. It was easy to cheat. We called it flexibility. Um, you can't do that anymore. It, yeah. it, it, it's Another electronic. word for lying, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's been kind of funny because, you know, everybody's protesting the government and posting every, and they always say, but... I used to be able to do this. And, and we'd say, no, you couldn't do that. You did it, and then you lied on your logbook. You cheated. And let's just call it what it is, and we can't do that anymore. So we have to adjust. It's just the reality. So today's theme really um, is a lot about change. And I know you, know you deal with this a lot. People just don't, most people just don't handle change well. Well... This whole um, the way it used to be thing, uh, it's ridiculous. Nobody really wants it to go back the way it used to be. I mean, do people really want to go back to, to only three uh, uh, television stations? No, because people now have 250 stations and still gripe about the fact there's nothing to watch. Um, we don't want to go back to uh, nickel candy bars. You know, I, my mom used to say, I remember when a candy bar was a nickel. And I said, yeah, mom, and you, you made $2 a week. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. That's what your dad made when you were buying nickel candy bars. Nobody wants that crap anymore. So, you know, we get reminiscent in some romantic way, and we romanticize all the wonderful ways it used to be. It didn't used to be all that great either. <laughs> and uh, the fact that they don't like the changes we're going through right now, well, tough. Change is here to stay. Change is the new normal. Chaos is the new normal. And people want it the way it was, and it's never going to be that way again. And hold on, it's not going to be the way it was today again. It's, we're going to see change at such a rapid pace from this point on that our entire world is going to look different from day to day. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I saw a post um, on your page that, that I really liked. And it, in some ways it goes along with this because what we're seeing is just this fight against reality. You know, you can say it's good or bad. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It's the reality. And you, you better deal with it because you're never going to change it. It's going to happen faster. You're right. It, it's like chaos anymore. It changes so fast. But I saw something on, on your page that really hit home with me. And I'm going to paraphrase it here because I'm not looking at it. But it, it was along the lines of it, it does you no good to be great at something your customer isn't willing to pay for. 
that's exactly right. And yet that bothers people. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, the only thing you should focus on, and that's the rest of the, the meme that was on my page, really is the thing to focus on is what your customers want and are willing to pay for. Why does it do you any good to become excellent at something nobody cares about? It doesn't do you any good. So the key is, what do your customers want most? How do you find that out? You ask them. You talk to them. Uh, and what's amazing is they'll always tell you. They'll tell you why they want to do business with you. They'll tell you what makes you better or different or more unique than anyone else. They'll tell you everything you need to know to transform the way you market to them, sell to them, do business with them, serve them better, as long as we have a great open communications with them. It's stupid to guess about what your customers want. Ask them. And then once you find out what they want, get really good at whatever it is they want and do a lot of it. You know, my philosophy of selling is so simple. It's find out what people like and give them more of it. Find out what they don't like and don't give them any of that. Yeah, well, that's pretty simple. Um, the problem with that is <laughs> how, do, how do you sell a book on that? Yeah. <laughs> it's too simple. That's the problem. But, you know, everybody wants things to be hard. We want change to be hard. Change isn't hard. Change is already there. The only thing that's hard is our acceptance of it. And I know that's a challenge. It's a challenge for me. I get ticked off. You know, I used to sell audios and videos and CDs and DVDs. Boy, by the time I put it out now, it's already on the Internet and everybody's downloaded it for free. I didn't like that change. So I could sit around and gripe about it or I could figure out another way to do business. And that's what's going to come down to for every one of us, regardless of the business we're in. We're going to have to adapt and we're going to have to figure out new ways to do business. Otherwise, we won't be in business. That's what we're about to see a lot of. We're coming up on a break, so I'll take us into the break. When I come back, I want to give you just a, a great example of this in, in trucking that I've been hearing a lot of. And, and I get it. I understand it. But like you just said, we are not going back to the old way. It's just not going to happen. Uh, we'll talk about that and much more when we get back got questions for Larry and I, jump in. We'll get to them here pretty quick. Stick around. The website's letstruck.com. I'm Kevin Rutherford. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Larry Wingett is here with me. We're talking about dealing with change or not dealing with change, whatever it might be. 
Larry, one of the things that, that I'll do every once in a while, and I just know it's going to rile people up and piss them off, and, um, but it helps get to the truth of where we are in trucking. You know, I, I'm third generation in trucking. My grandfather, my father, most of my brothers and uncles, and there was a time when, you know, it, it was looked at as a profession, you know, the knights of the road. You could always count on a truck driver to help you if you were broke down. You know, they knew all the good places to eat. Um, those days are gone. They, they just are. As much as we would like them to come back, that's not the industry we're in anymore. What, so what I'll say every once in a while, I'll say, you know what? Um, I could almost, and I put the word almost in there, I could almost teach a monkey to drive a truck. And people go ape. I mean, they just go nuts over that. And... My point is, it's not a skilled trade. It, does, it can be. There are people that are very, very skilled at driving a truck. Uh, some amazing things. And that's fantastic. But the customers don't care. And, and that's why this, this hit home with me when I saw that. The customers don't care how good you are at driving a truck. When we look at the skill of driving a truck... We teach most kids to drive around 15 or 16 years old. It's not that big of a deal. Now they're just going to drive a vehicle that's bigger. You just need a little more space to do everything. So it's not hard to teach somebody how to drive a truck. It may be take years to get really, really good at it, and that's what pisses people off. But the thing is, the customer themselves, if the freight shows up at their dock mostly undamaged and sort of on time they're happy that's all they really care about and that's what the industry has become we 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 have a huge turnover rate we people move in and out of the industry if if you know construction slows down people come and drive truck for a while because you can always get a job and pay the bills and that's what a lot of people are fighting against they they want it to be where their years and years of experience and skill at driving that truck means something, but unfortunately to the customer, it just doesn't. Well, and we're all paid in direct proportion to how the customer sees the value we bring to them. And if the customer doesn't value the skill, because you're right, it's nothing but a skill, uh, the skill of driving a vehicle, then the customer is not going to be willing to pay for that uh, at the level that they once were, and it's a become, going to become commoditized. When it becomes commoditized, and believe me, your industry becomes more that way every single day when we're talking about uh, driverless trucks and so forth, and we talked about la- that last time we were together. But that means that the industry, the marketplace, sees what you do as a commodity. So what every person has to do is say, if I took the driving out of the equation, because the, the marketplace doesn't value that part of it. What parts do they value, and how can I market that? Which is a great lesson, and I'm going to get off track here. Hopefully I come back to this, but, you know, I talk about the issue of, of being a commodity, and, and you, you don't want to be a commodity. It's the last thing you want to do in business. You deal with a lot of entrepreneurs in a lot of different industries, and you have for a long time. Do you find that many entrepreneurs, their problem is they know their business really well, their skills, those kind of things, but they just don't understand the basics of business well enough? Well, I think 
Kevin, that that's just a huge portion of it, regardless of the kind of the business that you're in. So what does the customer really value? Well, they value, in your case, maybe being on time, or, or, or you have a whole list, I'm sure. But if you don't understand what business is really about, then you don't understand your customer. And if you don't understand your customer, you're not going to be good at your business. Business, and, and this is what I remind people about all the time, business really only has one purpose, and that's to be profitable. Now, what makes you profitable? Serving customers well makes you profitable, bringing a lot more value than you cost. Uh, in other words, the cost of, uh, of your solution, you being the solution, can't exceed the cost of the problem. So uh, you've got to solve a bigger problem than the cost of your solution. So you have to understand that. So you have to understand what's really important to them that allows them to make more profits. And when you understand those sorts of things, which are the basics of business, that helps you structure what you do and learn to communicate and articulate what you do in such a way that the customer starts to see more value in, what, in who you are. And what that does in your business, in my opinion, is it takes the, the driving part that they do see it as a commodity out of the equation, and now they start to see you as an asset to helping them achieve their goals. If you're not an asset to helping them achieve their goals, then you don't understand their business, and they're not going to value you. One of the things I fight against, it took me a long time to realize why I, I was fighting or debating with people, and we seem to be talking about two different things. Then I realized they don't understand the basic business concepts that's driving this. They don't understand supply and demand, which is the basics of business. They don't understand that some things are a commodity. Um, so I've been trying to help people just understand those concepts so that we can move on. And, and here's, you know, you started to touch on this in trucking. The, the truth of the matter is most of the stuff that moves by truck, especially when you see the standard van type trailer going down the road, most of that freight, it, it just is a commodity. And there's not a lot we can do about it. It's like selling sugar. You know, if you sell sugar, what are you going to do? Color it purple? I mean, it, it, it's a commodity, and you have to deal with that. But there's mm-hmm. a way in trucking, and there's a way in every business, to say, wait a minute. That may be true, but I don't have to become a commodity. What? And you were talking about this. What can I do different? What I've found is, first off, stay away from the freight that tends to be a commodity anyway. And then what customers are really looking for in transportation is somebody who can solve problems and think critically. Moving freight up and down the road around the country is not like an assembly line where everything stays the same every day. It changes constantly. So first off, find the freight that tends to be problematic. There's always something going wrong. And then go in and be a problem solver. Learn how to think critically and find that value that they're willing to pay for. And if you do that, by the way... That's something a computer or an autonomous vehicle can never do. Not in our current world. may come someday, which is kind of scary. But they can't think and they can't solve problems. They can only do what they were programmed to do. And that's exactly what customers do value. Uh, When you help them solve problems and you are solving problems for them because you understand their business and what really matters in business... That's when you become more than a person who is moving a great big vehicle down the road. It, yeah, and, and what we're seeing... Trucks move vehicles, people solve problems. Yeah, yeah, there you go. What we're seeing 
in this industry and probably in society and, you know, across a lot of industries is a split. The people who are getting that part that are critical thinkers, they're problem solvers, they understand it's all about providing value to the customer. I am seeing guys who own one truck earning more than I have ever seen, astronomically more. And 2018 looks like it's going to be really exciting for a lot of reasons. And yet we're also seeing people at the other end of the spectrum. If you don't get this, you're falling off the radar. You're getting called from the herd, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of people in the middle anymore. Well, you know, it's that way in every industry, though. We're seeing that happen in the dry cleaning industry. I talked to some people the other day who are in the chimney sweep business, and I spoke last year to the national chimney sweeps. And and what's interesting, Kevin, is what you're talking about right this minute about culling the low end and the people at the top end are doing extremely well and their business is growing and, you know, and it's becoming, they're be- really becoming wealthy in the chimney sweep industry and all the middle guys are just kind of uh, going away. And so it's, it, people, the trouble is with change, people think it's all about them. No, it's not. Uh, it, it, trucking's not that unique in that this respect. It's happening to every single industry. It's happening in the medical profession. Talk to doctors. They'll tell you the very same thing. And so the clue for the, all of us who are involved in something like that, because it's hitting my industry as well, old guys like me, been at the top for a long time, yep, uh, we've proven that we are problem solvers, and that's why people still hire us. A lot of people falling out. And here's what you have to do. You have to make up your mind you're not going to get called from the herd by starting to alter the way you do business. But what you also have to do, instead of falling into the herd by griping about what's happening to your industry, you ought to actually be happy about it. Yep, I'm telling people in the trucking industry you ought to be glad that you're going to lose 10% of the folks in your business because they shouldn't have been there to begin with. I tell everybody the best thing that can happen to any industry is for a whole bunch of people in that industry to go away because they haven't earned the right to, to provide services to the clients out there. They haven't earned that right. They haven't uh, uh, proven to the marketplace that they have that kind of value. And so if they go away, good. And when you're able to look at your business and say, Hey, Larry, sorry, I hit the uh, button before I. you were done. We'll come back to that thought. I've got to get to a break when the music plays. They make me shut up for a couple minutes. So we're going to do that. We're going to take the break. We're going to come back. Um, we'll let Larry finish that thought because it was a good one. I've got some more. We're also going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett is here with me. Larry, I want to I want to jump on that statement you just made for a second because you're a pretty persuasive guy. You know, I talked about we have the guys who get it. They're doing really well right now. 
the guys who don't get it are struggling. There's still some people on the fence, and and I want to help persuade them. You just said the best thing that could happen to an industry is for a whole lot of people to get out of it. Well, let me tell you what's going on with this. Um, the first time this topic came up for me, I was doing a, a speaking engagement in San Antonio about 10 years ago. And somebody who was pretty high up in the industry, I was talking to him about this topic, this ELD thing. And, and I said, is it going to happen? And he said, look, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's just when. We can't predict when, but at some point we are going to be on electronic logs. And he was dead right. They also had the best of the best. They were doing truck driver of the year awards and owner operator of the year awards. And they had six guys up there and they were doing like interviews, asking them questions about the industry. And they asked them all what would happen if we went to electronic logs. Now, these guys are some of the top drivers at the time. Every one of them said, I'll quit. I will not have one of those devices in my truck. I'll quit. There was a survey about two years ago when they came out with the law and said December 18, 2017, it's live. And 40% of the drivers in the country said they would quit if this happened. So clearly not that many are going to quit. They have bills to pay just like everybody else. They're going to put up with it. Some are quitting. We're seeing it. But here's the other thing that's happening. There are drivers and owner-operators quitting, getting out of the industry. There is also now, if we, again, we go back to the basics of business, supply and demand. Currently, there's a set, a certain amount of trucks, drivers, and we call that capacity. And then we have a certain amount of freight. That's the demand. And the other thing that figures into capacity, though, is how many hours can that driver work and drive? And we've always cheated the rules. We, we all agree to it. I did it. Um, we all cheat the rules. And by cheating the rules, what we did was we increased capacity, which works against us. We want capacity to be low and demand to be high. And we knowingly cheated the rules and created more capacity. Well, today, starting today, that capacity gets diminished because we can't cheat anymore. So you have people getting out of the industry and you have the rules being enforced, which decreases capacity. That seems like a win-win if you want to stay in the industry and make money. Seems like it to me. (laughs) (laughs) So did our 40% going to leave? No, no way. If they did, we we would... (laughs) We would be in our, – our economy would be in trouble. I guess, you know, the, the rates would go up. The good thing about a free market or a semi-free market is that if that were to happen, it's not. These guys can't afford to just go – Larry, where else can exactly. you – Exactly. Without a high school education, with very little training, where else can you go and reasonably make fifty five, sixty thousand $60,000? A more experienced driver can go to places like Walmart and make 80000 a year – Private carriers pay pretty well. You can't make that kind of money without a skill. So th- there, there are some that will leave. Most of them are already older. They were probably going to be out of the industry fairly soon anyway. Um, but if it were to happen, we would have this huge vacuum. Rates and wages would have to go up. Everybody would flood in anyway. But if we lost 40% of the drivers, you'd see store shelves looking a little empty. 
So why do, again, this happens in every industry, why do people just get their mouths, they let their mouth overload their ass, and they get all braggadocious and, and say, well, I'll just quit if that happens. People know damn good and well they're not going to quit. What they ought to do is say, hmm, it's going to happen. What am I going to do? But here's the reason they don't do that, because it requires more of them. And it happens across the board in every business. People have to step back and say the changes that are going on in the marketplace when the brick-and-mortar stores on Main Street said, Walmart will never beat us, we're special. No, you're not. You're selling commodities, again. Yes. <laughs> Just like what we've been talking about. And I can get a commodity cheaper at a big box store, so go out of business. We won't miss you. Sorry. And that's what happened to downtowns all across America. And that's what's happened in every single industry. People start thinking they're special, and then they start bragging, and they get all big, and I'll just quit, and we'll see what happens to them then, knowing they won't, instead of going to the mirror and say, what can I do to make myself more unique, of more value, serve people better, what can I do? But that requires effort on their part and a new way of thinking on their part. And sadly, most people aren't willing to do it, and they're the ones that are going to get culled from the herd, not by choice, but because they didn't make the right choices, and they're going to get pushed out. You know, and, and if, on the surface, that can look like a lot of bad news. You know, we could go over example after example of industries disappearing, stores disappearing, people being replaced by big box stores and other things. But on the other hand, you could also look at it and say, yeah, but look at all the entrepreneurs that have figured out a way. You have people making, you know, really, really good money selling scarves or who knows what crazy thing. Because uh -huh. th there is this other huge opportunity at the other end of the market where people do want real value and specialty things that can't be delivered by those big companies. Well, and I do think actually in the long run it is a good thing. But here's where the hypocrisy comes in, is that people say, no, I... I would never, ever go to a big Walmart, or I would never abandon the small guy, the little guy. And, and then they're faced with the question, uh, so would you pay 25 to 50% more to still do business in your little downtown with the little bitty guy? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. That You're a hypocrite to say that you would. And it's ridiculous to think that you should do that. And so what people have to do is look at themselves and figure out, how am I going to get better? Because I have no choice in the change. All these truck drivers that are bitching about the fact that, uh, and whining about the fact that the electronic logbooks have happened, they didn't have a choice in that. Your choice is not how the change, uh, whether the change is going to happen. Your choice is how are you going to deal with the change. Same in my business, same for doctors. You don't have a choice about change happening. You do have a choice about how you react and respond, deal with it, manage it. Good stuff. What do you, uh, what do you say we jump into a couple calls and see what uh, the listeners want to talk about? Sure, let's do it. Let's head off to Texas. David, welcome to the program. Hey, Larry. Hey, Kevin. How are you all doing today? Good. Good. Hey, Larry, I attended your uh, UBS summit this year, and my wife and I are attending next year. Uh, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with change. I know I'm an entrepreneur because I embrace change. I love change. 
So uh, I kind of want to talk to you about the decision-making process in business. So many, so many variables. Sometimes we all want to make the right decisions when we're making decisions for our business. But, uh, sometimes some of the decisions have so many options, so many variables. I'm wondering if the old school process of drawing a line down the sheet of paper and going with the pros and cons is still the best way to go. For example, I want to increase my fleet by five trucks in 2018. So I'm thinking I want to go out. What I want to do is go out and buy five trucks and then hire five drivers. But the option that sounds may sound a little more reasonable, that may be a little more reasonable, but still has a lot of variables, is buy a truck, hire a driver, get it going. Buy the seventh truck, hire a driver, get it going. Buy the eighth truck, hire a driver. But what I want to do is go out, get five trucks, and just get going. So making these decisions with so many variables is, is going to get your opinion. Well, I'll give you an opinion about the decision-making tree, and Kevin can certainly weigh in on the truck part of it. But I do think that, and that's called the Benjamin Franklin close from many, many, many years ago. It is where you draw the big line down the center of the page and look at the pros and cons. And that's certainly still a very valid way to make decisions. But there are a lot of others, and you proved that in your opening statement to me about you came to the summit where I talk about small business with my two of my buddies. And the other alternative in the decision-making process is that you go to pros. You go to people who have done it before and have had more experience than you, and you get some, some really expert feedback and input into what you're wanting to do, and you also listen to them. So when you're talking about the major kind of expenditure that you're laying out here, uh, I would say that you try all kinds of things. But here's what the other thing in the decision-making process that people rarely take the time to do. What if the worst happened? And people never have a downside plan. What if the worst thing that could possibly happen actually happened? What would you do then? How bad would it hurt you? Now, I'll let Kevin weigh in in just a second. But So you go out and you buy five trucks and you go from there. Uh, what if it doesn't go? If you buy one truck and you start out and it goes a little slower, you're out one truck. If you buy five trucks and it goes slower, you're paying for five trucks. Hold that that thought, Larry. Let me end right there. We'll get to a break. We'll come right back. Stick around. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett is here with me. We're talking with David in Texas. And Larry, it's interesting that the advice you just gave and where you were going with that, it just proves another point of mine that that most of business, a lot of it's just all the same. It's just business. And then, you know, we can get down to the specifics of trucks and all those things. But I was about to answer David the same way. Let's look at historically what happens in trucking let's look at you know the worst case scenario 
And I was going to end up right in the same place you ended up, that we'd love to go out and buy the five trucks. And in today's environment, it's really tempting because rates are really high. There's freight everywhere. 2018 looks like it may be the best year I've seen in 30-plus years in this industry. But there's a huge barrier. That is, drivers are getting really, really difficult to come by. So it's not a big deal to go out and buy the five trucks. We can get the money. We can get tons of work for them. But we have to have somebody to drive them. So I'm looking at, I I have watched many, many people fail or almost fail in this industry, including myself. In my early days, I went from one truck to 11 um, in about a four or five year period and was weeks away from going bankrupt. I mean, it was the lesson that really turned me around. I very, in fact, I can't think of a single case where somebody failed because they grew slower. People usually fail in business because they try to grow too fast. You're exactly right. So, uh, you know, I worked in the landscape industry a while back, uh, Kevin. And the question uh, came up. I was doing a Q&A, and a guy asked a question very, very similarly and, uh, to this one. And uh, one of the guys had been around a long time in the landscape business said, you know, the, when uh, most landscapers go out of business, when they buy their second truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we see that in, in trucking, buying that second truck. You know, moving from being an employee to being in business is a big step, clearly. I, I try to help people with that all the time. But I tell them, you at least understood, most of you did, that was a pretty big step. What you don't realize is buying the second truck is a bigger step. It seems easy. I already have one. I'm already in business. I'm doing okay at this. Buying a second truck seems easy. Buying five, when you get to the point where David is, he already has five. Buying five more doesn't seem like a big deal. It's the biggest decision he's about to make. And... You know, landscaping, you could probably come up with a thousand examples of industries you've worked with uh-huh. where the mistake is trying to grow too fast. There's almost no downside to trying to grow slower. Yeah, I can't see if you've got five. I don't see a big downside from going from five to six. So I see a big downside going from five to ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys, for your input. I certainly appreciate you, and happy holidays to you both. Thanks, David. See you next year, too. Appreciate that. Looking forward to it. Yeah, fantastic. So, Larry, tell us about that that event, by the way. It's called the Ultimate Business Summit. Uh, Scott McCain, who is the leading speaker, I would say, in the world right now on creating distinction in your business, regardless of the kind of distinction. We have Randy Pennington, who wrote, I think, the best business book in the last three or four years for sure, called Make Change Work. Uh, He's there. And then me. And you get three very unique uh, points of view And we have a variety of small businesses. We do have landscapers and chimney sweeps and trucking companies and and, uh, financial companies. All kinds of uh, companies attend and give us – it's the only event that I know of that is totally client audience driven. We come in and people tell us this is what we're facing. That's how we start off. And then we spend a day and a half – 
answering and dealing with the audience issues, client-driven issues. It happens in August every year in Las Vegas. People can just look at ultimatebusinesssummit.com, and they'll find out all about it. You know, there's so much I want to say about that. One, I, I, you know, when you talk about, you know, creating distinction, that, that lesson and, and being, you know, customer driven and focused, I, my first response is, you know, in trucking right now, there isn't anything more important. But that's it. Like you said, it's in every business. I think of trucking because that's what I do. But that's every business mm-hmm. that needs that right now. And by the way, I'm I'm teaching an online course right now. So it all the materials online, uh, but I actually do a, a one hour a week class where I do it live. I answer questions, and it's all about getting into the trucking business. And I assign them a book every week. And for a lot of people, you know, thinking about a book every week is a pretty aggressive schedule, but. These guys drive 60 hours a week and can listen to audiobooks. So I've one week I assigned three in the same week. A couple of them were short, but one of them um, was Randy's book about Make Change Work. That's been an assignment. Your book was an assignment. Um, it's called Work for a Reason. Cool. And um, I'm also going to get... Uh, we well, got to do Scott's books, uh I, Scott's book, Create Distinction. You ought to put that on your list. It, it's one of, it's already on the list, and it's, I guess I'll give them a little sneak preview in case they want to go get it early if they're listening. Uh, it's towards the end. So as they, you know, because we're working on getting their business set up, getting them to understand the fundamentals of business, and, you know, I want to finish with that idea of being really distinct and, and serving that customer. And you're right, that, that book is just excellent for that. We are, uh, let's see, we are going to head out. This looks like it might be a good question. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Les, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, I wasn't expecting to get on this segment. Anyway, uh, one of the things that has been suggested is that when you want to go into a business, that you need to go find somebody who's doing that business and shatter them for at least a day or take them out to lunch and ask them a lot of questions. I have found a business in Northeast Ohio that's doing exactly what I want to do, but it's part of a uh, larger conglomerate. And I'm wondering what level should I approach? Should I approach like the operations manager or should I approach the president or, you know, what level should I approach for uh, to come spend some time with and learn from? Larry, you want to address that one? Let me tell you what I would say, first of all. Know what's in it for them. There's nothing to me more annoying is for somebody to call my office and say, I'd like to get to Larry uh, so I could pick his brain, and I want to buy him lunch, or I want to have coffee with him. I can make my own coffee, and I can afford to buy my own lunch. There's nothing in it for me, so I don't bother doing that. And so when people call and say, this is what I want, and they're specific, I have three questions. And the three questions are this, and here's why I need to know that, and here's what I will do with the information, and here's why I value you enough to ask you above other people for this information. Now, that's specific, 
And that's something I can wrap my head around. But when somebody says, let me buy you lunch and pick your brain, I'll buy my own lunch, and I don't like to have my brain picked. So before you call anybody, regardless who it is in the company, I'm going to leave that up to you to decide. But before you do that, figure out what's in it for them. Why would they bother? I'm not get, The most valuable thing anybody has is their time. And you're asking somebody to give you their time. Why should they? When you can Good answer point. that question, then you got something to call them about. Thank you. Uh, Kevin, you want to take that second question about the uh, Senate bill about underride protection? Yeah, let's do that in the next hour, though, because that one's pretty specific to trucking. So, Larry, you know, I, I, I always love listening to your answers because they are so direct and to the point that many times there isn't even a response. It's just like, oh. Okay. <laughs> it, well, there you go. <laughs> it, it's just like that moment of silence. Like, yeah, that makes so much sense. What can I possibly say? It, it, but, you, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's so dead on. You know, I, we do want to find people that – here's the other problem. you got to find the people that really are creating and doing the things you want because there are a lot of people that are saying they can do those things or teach you those things. It it seems to be like an exploding industry now. People who are teaching other people how to do things that they've never done. There's a lot of that going on. People saying, I've done this, and and yet a little bit of research proves they haven't. I always say really do your research ahead of time. Make sure that... uh, the people you're asking for help have actually done what it is you want to know about uh, because the especially right now when the language of the internet is hyperbole people can say anything about themselves and there's not a lot of credentials usually to back that up so do your research fantastic larry as always the time goes way too fast Um, We'll do it again next month. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody, head on over to Larry's website, LarryWingett.com. Everything you want to know is there. Look at that event. 2018 is going to be an awesome year in trucking, and you want to learn as much about business as you can. Larry, thanks again so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Check out the website. It's Let'sTruck.com. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, we are going to do a second hour, so we're going to jump into that right now. Hold on. We will get to uh, any kind of question you've got, and I'm looking at the board. It looks like I've got some room. If you want to jump in, press 1 on your phone right now, and if you do that, we'll be able to get to you. It can be trucking, health, business, taxes. have got a lot going on with taxes right now. Whatever you want to talk about, jump in and press 1. Here we go. Truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. 
Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Anything goes tonight. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Hey, I want to remind you about our app. We have a new app. It's been out for a little bit now. People are loving it. We're happy about that. It does one thing, and it does it really well. It lets you listen to all of our content. So you can listen when we're live. You can listen when we're doing our recorded shows. You can listen to any show anytime you want. It's free. And it's easy. You just download the app, open it up, and you can, you'll can you see a list of shows that are there. You'll know when uh, we're going to be live. You can listen then. So go check it out. The easiest way to find it, really, I mean, you can go to your, um, your app store. But if you just Google Audio Road app, Audio Road, one word, A-U-D-I-O-R-O-A-D, no space, Just Google Audio Road app. The first link will be the Android. The second link will be the Apple. That's all there is to it. Download it. It's free. And you can start listening to all of our content anytime you want. So check that out. We are going to get right to the phone calls today. I think we have a lot of questions, and I want to answer as many as I can. We're going to start off in Missouri. Ken, welcome to the program. Uh, how you doing, Kevin? I've seen you at the last CMC up there. Hope you make it up there again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, your- question is, my question is about this this new tax package that's coming down the pike. This uh, that that's going to be coming out. I mean, do you where do you see uh, as far as the owner operator, the single owner operator? Do you see any real benefit from this package that's coming out? Right now, I, I, I do actually, and you know, if I look at the history of this, because I've been watching this, you know, it's been my number one topic and what I've been following since uh, President Trump announced his version and his guidelines. And when I looked at his original version, I loved it for a lot of reasons. It cut taxes and it simplified things. Well, then we get to the House, and the House was pretty close to Trump. We get to the Senate. The Senate kind of butchered the whole thing and really made some big changes. And at first, I was a little disappointed because they, they, the Senate tended to put a lot more complication back into things, and I was hoping we'd get simple. Um, but the more I look at the final version, the, the combined version between the House and Senate, which they're hoping voting on within the next couple of days. Looks like it's going to pass. The president will sign it. I think this actually may be better for owner-operators than even the original framework. Not as simple, but I've been crunching some numbers, and I'm really excited about this. Not just for owner-operators, but business in general, small business, entrepreneurs. So a couple things are happening. One, tax rates across the board have gone down. That means everybody pays less tax. They've gotten rid of a lot of the itemized deductions 
But most owner-operators I know were not taking those deductions anyway, so that didn't have much of an effect on them. They are introducing something we've never had, which is a specific tax law that addresses pass-through entities. So we don't have, I haven't seen the final wording on this yet, but it looks like if you are an owner-operator, and this could be a big, big change that we're going to have to address. So we're on top of it. The minute this gets passed, I've already got a lot of this worked out. I used to recommend that if you're an owner-operator and you're paying tax on 65000 or more every year, an S-Corp's going to save you money. That number's going to change, and under this new law, an S-Corp could save you a ton of money. Not only are the tax rates lower, but the pass-through, and it's possible that they're going to apply this pass-through even to sole proprietors. If they do that, that's going to change everything again. So like I said, I, I was hoping it was going to be simple. It's not. It's, it may be more complicated in the beginning, um, but we'll be right on top of that because all I care about are owner-operators and drivers. I don't have to worry how this affects anybody else. Um, but a pass-through Excellent. entity, under the current bill, and an S-Corp certainly qualifies as a pass-through, we get to take 20% of our revenue and just pretend like we never earned it. We get to deduct 20% of our revenue right off the top. That, that's incredible for small business. So it will mean that we will come up with totally new tax strategies for owner-operators in how we choose which entity they should operate under, and then if they are an S-Corp, how much should be paid in in wages and how much should be paid in um, draw or dividend. Uh, So it's exciting. I think there's going to be an opportunity to save a tremendous amount of money for owner-operators in taxes. Um, We had a caller over the weekend, um, uh, and I know him really well. He's been to many of the CMCs. Um, and, and he's also a tax preparer, has been for years, so he really gets the tax code. He's a pretty high earner in this industry. I mean, he, he, he nets um, well over 100000 a year. So he's up in that top 1% for owner-operators, and he came up with tax savings of really close to like $6,000 for himself. So... There's, there's significant savings, um, and I think the more successful you are in this industry, the bigger this tax cut's going to be for you. Well, excellent. I really I really appreciate hearing your analysis of it, Kevin, and uh, I want to take a wait and see approach also and hear what else you have to say, and uh, Here, you have yourself a Merry Christmas. Well, thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Here's what I plan on doing. Um, I don't want to put this work in until this thing passes because it's a lot of work. Um, we don't have we don't have the advantage of being able to run this through our tax software and have it do all the calculations for us because nobody can write the tax software changes until the bill comes out. I don't want to wait for that. So I'm going to have to do this all manually. But what I'm going to do, the minute this passes, I'll get started on this. I'm going to take two or three owner-operators with different situations at the bottom end. Maybe guys that are earning, you know, 50000 a year net um, as owner-operators. And I'll, I'll run their tax return. I'll just go have to do it manually and show 
you know, the average owner-operator in this group is going to save this much. Then I'll do maybe seventy-five to 80000 I'll do a group there. And then I'll do 100000 plus. And I'll also say, if you're in this group, you should be a sole proprietor. If you're in this group, you should be an S-Corp. If you're in this group, we need to do this for tax planning. And because this is happening right now, we're starting a new year in 2018, um, you don't want to wait. You don't want to wait till the software companies catch up. You don't want to wait till your tax preparer may get around to looking at your tax return. Um, tax preparers are going to be unbelievably busy. We always are in the first quarter because we have to cram a year's worth of work into three or four months. Uh, that's just the tax business. So if you do a lot of different clients, different types of businesses, you're not going to have time to go figure this out for everybody. We have a huge advantage in this. We only do the trucking industry. We only do drivers and owner-operators. So we're already on this. I've got 90% of the work done and figured out. Now it's just a matter of when it passes I'll apply it to tax returns. We'll come up with two or three different strategies, and we'll make sure that if you're one of our tax and accounting clients, you will be able to save every penny possible from these changes. Let's, uh, so I'm hoping that this coming weekend I will be able to, to give you some results from those and give you some, uh, some tax planning ideas. Let's go to... Oregon. Keith, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. What's um, on your mind today? The reason I'm calling um, the reason I'm calling is I have a business report that you guys generated for me. Okay. From my first three months in business. And when I saw the report, I was horrified because it said I was making thirty cents a mile. <laughs> well, let me. I'm a little uh, concerned. Well, um, good. We want you to be concerned because it's better to see the truth and be concerned because we can address it and fix it. Um, much better than going on thinking everything's great, which most owner operators do, and it's not. Let me. Uh, it may not be as bad as you think, though. Let me. Let me take a look at it here during this break. We'll come right back. We'll talk about it. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The number, nope, never mind. The website is letstruck.com. Talking with Keith in Oregon, and we're talking about his business report. So first off, 
congratulations, Keith, on being in business for three months. That's a big thing. And more importantly, congratulations on having numbers. I can't tell you how many times people call me and say, I I just got into business. I'm struggling. I I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I ask them if they have any numbers, and they don't. There's almost nothing I can do. The only thing I can help them with at that point is convince them how important it is to get numbers. So you have them. Now, I've got some questions, though, uh, because you've got some unusual numbers here. I'm going to – no, I'm not even going to bother guessing. I'm just going to ask you. Tell me about your operation. Are you doing some sort of a full-service lease on a truck? Yes, I am. Ah, see, I did guess, and I did know. I'm sorry? I said I I wasn't going to guess, but I did. Um, I guess that you had a full-service lease, and I was correct. Uh, why? Why are you in a full-service lease? Uh, I was a company driver for the company. They they came, had a bunch of trucks available as owner-operators. You pay the lease payment, and you drive the truck. It's basically running the truck uh, for four years, and then they get a new truck, and you continue paying forever and ever. Um, so- they also rent you a trailer. Um, so I thought it was better to get a trailer and get a truck later if I'm going to buy a truck. I could still buy a truck and, and put it in service with them. Then I would. Just to initially then, get started. Then I would. It didn't cost me anything to get the new truck. Oh, no, it did. It did. It cost you a lot. <laughs> but, and let me explain why it cost okay. you a lot. Because how much were you making as a company driver per mile? Forty-five cents. Forty-five. Because of this full-service lease being so expensive, you're now making thirty. Every single mile you roll down the road, throw fifteen cents out the window, and do that all day long for eleven hours of driving a day. And tell me, this isn't costing you anything? If you look at it like that, it does. Right. That's the way but I want there you are to. Some well, hold expenses. on. No, no I, these are just numbers. You're making 30 cents a mile, and you were making 45. That's why I love numbers. We don't have to argue about them. They are just what they are. Now, I can help you with this. But I want you, were you listening to the show with Larry? Yes. Okay. So one of the things we, we talked about, we didn't get into the specific, but we talked about understanding business basics. And this kind of falls into that category. If you own a truck, what is the customer paying you for? Well, we talked about the fact that part of what you get paid for is driving, but that's the least valuable thing you do. As much as we hate that, driving is the least valuable thing we do for our customers because so many people can do it. We're not different. Almost anybody can get in the truck and drive it. So there's no value to our customers there. What, what value do we bring to our customer? Well, one of them, as much as we hate this, customers want to be able to move their product at a better price, right? Because that's how they are successful. Well, part of that is as an owner-operator, one of the things we can uniquely provide that even big carriers can't do very well is we can own and maintain the truck and trailer more efficiently than anybody else. 
because we're the ones with our hands on it. We're the ones that get to spec it. We're the ones that decide on our maintenance program and our fuel economy. And so we can drive the cost of owning that vehicle down. So now we can move freight more efficiently. We still make a profit. It's a win-win. We drive the cost down. We can offer a better rate to our customers. We can keep more profit. But the minute, so what you're being paid for, the value you bring to your customer is how good you could be at buying, specking, and maintaining the equipment. You gave all of that up. You gave up your uniqueness and your opportunity to serve your customer better because you signed a full-service lease. You have no control over any of those costs and owning the equipment, truck and trailer. And you got one thing really right. Trailers are actually more valuable than trucks in this industry. So you you did get that right. So So I'll applaud you on that one. A lot of people don't understand that. There's more money in owning trailers than there is in owning trucks. But there's still money in owning that truck. And you gave that away because you don't own the truck. You didn't spec the truck. You don't really maintain the truck. You don't get to decide on most things. You gave away one of your profit centers. And we're seeing it in the numbers. Okay. So if you can buy a truck, that should be your number one goal right now. Now, I don't want you to run out and buy it tomorrow and feel like you have to be in some big hurry. I want you to take your time and do it right, but your time right now should be focused. Every spare minute should be focused on how do I buy the right truck to be the most profitable. And if it takes you three months, then it takes you three months. If it takes you six, it takes you six. But that should be your main focus. Like sometimes people, I'll look at their business report and I'll say, you absolutely have to focus on fuel economy or you have to focus on revenue. You have to focus on getting a truck of your own. Okay. Does that help? That does help. All right. Good. And I can do that. Fantastic. Get to it then, and throughout the process, anytime you have a question, call me. If it's about specs, financing, budget, whatever, because we've got you on the right track now. There, right there, is the beauty of numbers. Without those numbers, I would have never been able to identify where the real problem was, and I could have given him all kinds of advice, and it may not have been good advice. Business is about numbers, and when we have the numbers, we can zero in on exactly what we need to do to fix things. Uh, If there's one thing that has frustrated me over the years, 25 plus years now of helping people make more money in this industry. That's what I do every day. It's what I get up to do. And I'm frustrated because so few owner operators have their numbers. We created the software. We've made it easy. We do the training. I do everything I can do to get people to understand this concept. And here's what's crazy. I was doing this 25 years ago. I can't think of anything more important today. It hasn't gotten less important. It has gotten much more important to know those numbers. You used to be able to make money in this business without really thinking about it. That's not the case anymore. With ELDs today, 
is the day. If you're happening to listen to the show, um, this was the day it all changed. Again, it was always important. It now becomes critically important. And yes, I'm about to try to sell you something because I knew this was the thing that most owner-operators need, so we invested in this. We created the software and the programs to help you. That's a win-win. We give you exactly what you need, and we make money doing it. That's how business works. You have to think that way. What can you give your customers that they need? And hopefully you figure out a way to give them something that they need that they're willing to pay you more for. And that's a beautiful thing. Companies want value. They don't necessarily want cheap. Some do. And those are the companies I don't want to do business with. They want value. The beauty of is when you learn how to provide value, you get to charge more. And you make money and and your customers are happy. That's the definition of a win-win. So if you need an accounting solution, and you do, if you don't have one or you're not happy with what you have, call us. Try ours. We'll give you a free trial. We'll train you how to use it. We'll show you. I'll read reports for you on the air. Now is the time. Go to Let'sTruck.com. Check it out. We have software called Profit Gauges. It's accounting software for owner-operators and small fleets. Check it out. You can always call us, 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. And uh, I'm going to take us right into the break. We are going to come back and get to more of your calls and questions. But if I haven't convinced you yet, think long and hard about this. It's December. Great time to close out the year. In fact, if you sign up for our free 30-day trial, we'll open up the whole year of software for you. So you can do all of 2017. Won't cost you a penny. You'll see the reports. You'll see how powerful this is. Even if you're on our free trial, call me. We'll pull up your report, and I'll help you with it just like I did the last caller. And then, then you are perfectly set up to take advantage of 2018, and I couldn't be more excited for 2018 to get here for business, taxes, all of those things. It's an exciting time to be in this industry. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothfuss. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. We're going to get right back to the phones. We're off to Nebraska. Bill, welcome to the program. 
Welcome. Thank you, Kevin. I do appreciate you helping with my questions. Sure. Um, we talked earlier about my Nutri-Q. Okay. And prior to me taking it, you said that there might be some strange questions on it that you won't understand why, but answer it anyhow. And the example you gave was when you lay your head down, do you hear your heartbeat? Yes. Well, I'll be quite honest. There are times when I could be sitting watching TV, and guess what? It is so loud, it's deafening. Okay. Now, I do understand there are times I do have tinnitus, and as a result, uh, I'm hearing a lot more uh, internal sounds. Uh, well, not completely tinnitus. There's tinnitus and then swimmer's ear. Right. Which may... Um, cause things to be different but yeah those i can't be good if i'm nothing i'm hearing it uh, yeah so those two things that you mentioned can cause this or they can exacerbate it either one uh, especially like what you refer to as swimmer's ear like a clogged ear um, because that amplifies everything internally so that could be part of it, but there's something more that we definitely want to track down to see. And the other common cause of this is high blood pressure and narrowing of the blood vessels. So when we start talking about clogged arteries, um, that will cause this and, and it will raise blood pressure. And then that's why the sound becomes more distinct. We can hear it a lot of times when we put our head on a pillow and lay down. So it could be part of the ear problem, but I would also want to make sure that we're looking at the cardiovascular causes. Um, do you have high blood pressure? Yes, I do. Okay. And, and that's I'm part of it. I'm medicated with 20 milligrams lisinopril. Okay. That's part of it. And by the way, just so you know, like 99% of the medications on the market, they never address the root cause of the problem. That medication you're on will never fix yeah, your I'm blood. I'm firmly aware of that. I've been yeah. listening to your show for going on two years, yeah. three years now. So what we would want to address is the the high blood pressure and the narrowing of the arteries. And really the only way to do it, so it's like almost everything else I talk about, it, it's 90%, that's not a scientific number, it's just me, 90% diet, 10% lifestyle. Maybe it's 80-20. But diet is the most important first factor. And you've listened to the show. You know what kind of diet I recommend. A paleo-keto style, real food, you know, knock out the processed foods, knock out the sugars, all of those things. And then some things that we address with diet reverse themselves really quickly. Like high blood sugar issues reverse themselves very quickly. Obesity, if we get things right, people lose weight very quickly with just diet alone, no exercise. There are a couple things that just take time. And one of them is cardiovascular because the problem has been created over decades. It takes a little longer to reverse the cardiovascular. But what we do know is that a high-fat diet, as long as they're good quality fats, and you know the ones I'm talking about, that over time they will actually improve the cardiovascular symptoms. The lower blood pressure and your arteries will start to clear themselves. 
so the standard American Southern trucker diet and tobacco <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's um, that's what got us here. That that's what got us all here. It's why heart disease is so common yeah. these days. Um, and the good news is we can reverse it. But you've been through the NutriQ. You know some of those questions are just bizarre. Why are they asking me this? But every yeah. single question. Well, I'm question. also noticing some of the questions that they ask as far as frequency. Uh, I'm more in tune with my body and noticing them more. Right, right, which is good because we, we all get so busy and wrapped up in our everyday lives and what we're doing that we and we've also been told something that isn't true but we've been told it so many times and we believe we see the evidence in our own bodies and right in front of us every day that we all believe it and what I'm talking about is we've all been told that as you get older your health will deteriorate it's just normal. You're going to get aches and pains. You're going to get heart disease. You're going to need... I mean, we've gotten to the point where we think, you know, triple bypasses are, well, you know, it just happens. No, it doesn't. It does, but it shouldn't. It doesn't have to. Yeah. We don't have to get less and less healthy as we get older. Now, eventually... When you get up into, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, yeah, there's going to be some deterioration, but it doesn't have to be like it is now. I mean, I, I have said this many yep. times. I absolutely mean it. Um, I'm not blowing this out of proportion. I am more fit and healthy in many, many ways at 54 than I was at 24. And it's, it's pure diet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, while I have you on the phone, could I ask one other question related to my father? Sure. Uh, he, he apparently likes certain vegetables, and from what you've described, they sound like they're the good, healthy ones. Unfortunately, due to lack of gallbladder and stage 4 cancer, which has been cleared up, he is also missing uh, several inches of his intestines. Okay. And as a result, if he eats those same vegetables, it's a four-alarm fire for him trying to get to the bathroom. Right. So... Uh, can something be done? Yeah, it can be. Um, clearly, once we're missing body parts, um, things do become more difficult. There's no question, but it does mean we can't do something and we can't make it better. Now, first off... If he's eating broccoli alone or, or whatever the vegetable might, give me an example of a vegetable that he really likes. Uh, he loves spinach, collards, okay. broccoli. Okay, good. Those are all really healthy vegetables. I mean, he likes if, the healthy portion of southern cooking. Oh, and that's more of what I'm getting to. If we just eat broccoli, the gallbladder isn't all that important. Broccoli has no fat. If we don't put any fat on it, we don't really need the gallbladder to digest the broccoli. But I don't recommend eating just broccoli. I recommend loading that broccoli up with good butter or good olive oil or good, you know, coconut oil. We want good, healthy fats because he it's, does, it's the he fats. Does butter. Good. Now the gallbladder becomes important because we need the gallbladder to digest the fats. He doesn't have them. He needs to eat bile salts or take bile salts every time he eats. 
because that will replace the function of his gallbladder. The missing part of the colon or intestine. Um, The large intestine, I I don't want to say that it's not important. It is. That's where all of our gut bacteria live. Um, But by the time the food gets to the, the large intestine, we've gotten most of the nutrients out of it. Uh, we're going to extract some water in the large intestine. Um, our gut bacteria is going to go to work converting things in the butter to butyrate and some other things we need. Um, there's still a lot we don't know about this. Doctors, you know, the medical community hasn't said what happens when we lose that. But what I would recommend is that we do everything possible to get the rest of his digestion system as healthy as it can be. So you've listened to the show. You've heard me talk about your mindset when you eat, being in a a parasympathetic, calm state, chewing properly, making sure our stomach acid has been addressed and it's nice and strong. We may have to supplement with um, hydrochloric acid, bile salts and enzymes. So, you know, a, a supplement that has a lot of good digestive enzymes in it and good probiotics or fermented foods. That would address all of his digestion system, and then what he has left of his large intestine should adjust and be just fine. But if you miss any of those, if, if he's eating on the run, if he's eating when he's watching the news, if he's not chewing properly, if he has low stomach acid, we already know he's missing his gallbladder, if he's not taking bile salts and enzymes, then, yeah, it is going to be a four-alarm fire. We, we have to fix each and every one of those. The good news is, even without the gallbladder and missing some of his intestines, we could still get his digestion better than most people in this country. There's the music. I've got to get to a break. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. I'm going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Minnesota. Matt, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Kevin. What's on your mind today? I'm going to talk about, uh, uh, well, the ELD thing is the the reason, but about change. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of a follow-through when you were talking to Larry Wingett on the previous show. Um. Larry was mentioning, you know, that 
every business is going through change right now and business and life in general always goes through change. It's not a question of if or when change is going to happen. It's only a, a question of how you're going to deal with it. Good point. And I got to thinking about that, you know, Larry's age and, you know, having read all his books and know his majority of his life story, he started out selling telephones <laughs> in the telecommunications business. <laughs> That's right. Talk, <laughs> about, talk a, about change. <laughs> yeah. Does, does it, I, I saw a reference to this in a, in a book I was reading the other day, a novel. I, I almost forgot about this. It, it, they, they referred to something as the baby bells. Remember when they broke up, you know, the, the giant telecommunications companies? That was the start oh. of the change in, in phones. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I don't know if it's an age related thing. Um, I mean, I'm in my early forties, you're in your early fifties and Larry's in his early sixties. Right. But I don't know as you get older that you realize, you know, that change is happening, but then I see a lot of older people, I guess, don't want to accept change or, or want to fight it. I would think the younger generation would actually adapt to it faster or be more open to it you would, just because their whole life changes fast is happening faster. You would think so. You know, and Larry's example is a really good one because he went full circle on that. Let me explain. Um, we had, you know, Ma Bell which everybody had the same phone, the same phone service. You even you rented your phone from them. You know, most people didn't even own that rotary dial phone they had in their house. It, it was You paid 30 cents a month on your bill or something to have the phone. Now, you didn't go buy a phone anywhere. And when they broke up the, ba- the bell system, it actually created the opportunity that Larry took advantage of to start his business. He had worked for one of the big telecommunications companies in sales. That was one of his first jobs. When they broke him up, it created all kinds of opportunity. Little companies sprung out everywhere, and he was one of them. And he did really well. The problem was the whole industry changed again. And, and it literally put him out of business. So talk about a lesson. He was able to go completely full circle in that industry from seeing an opportunity and getting into business and being put out of business because it changed again. So, still there? Yeah, maybe that's what you know helped really oh, cement that that lesson for him. You know, because he because he did go through that in a very short period of time for a business cycle. I, I don't know. I'm with you. It seems like the the younger generation should be better at this because it, it's been their whole life. Um, and for us, by the first. 20 years of my life felt like nothing changed, you know, and then all of a sudden things started to change. But I think it's almost, I think it's more of a, an attitude or a personality trait or a learned skill. I, I, in some ways, maybe millennials are just overwhelmed with change and they're having a hard time dealing with it. Because I do see old people that are really good at dealing with this and taking advantage of it. And I see young people that are, are, you know, overwhelmed by it. 
Yeah, that's I, I see the spectrum too. I know, you know, people in their 60s and talking about retiring that love ELDs. They said it's never been so easy. Right. <laughs> it, the fact that they're automated and there's a lot less to worry about. You, you've touched on that over the weekend show. Um, and, you know, young techie kids that, you know, are then the same that love it. And you know, while well, there's some that have never driven a truck on a paper logbook, <laughs> right. there's many people out here today that have never run anything but electronic. And so they love it, but then there's the opposite too. It's on every age group. Yeah. And well, you know, I don't <laughs> know how to explain it, but you know, it's maybe experience that, it, well, it's how you look at things too. Um, you know, I'm open to change. You're open to change, and I guess I'm just optimistic that I truly believe there's going to be more benefit from the change than there is going to be negative. Well, you know, that's I, any change. I'm not just right. talking about ELDs. No, I, I agree with you. And as you were saying that, I, I kind of had a thought. And I, I, here's the thought: I think once you learn how to embrace change and look at it for what it is. It's an opportunity because every time something changes, it creates new problems. And in business, the way you make money is to solve somebody else's problem for them, your customer. That, that's, that's what business is all about. So you and I and Larry and people that have embraced this and figured it out, we are optimistic. Oh, here comes another change. Guess what? There's an opportunity in here somewhere. I've been talking about this tax law change, biggest I'll probably ever see in my lifetime, and I'm excited because not only are we paying less tax, but guess what? It's a new opportunity for me. Lots and lots of drivers and owner-operators are not going to know what to do. They don't understand their taxes. Their accountant doesn't even understand their taxes, and they need somebody that can say, hey, wait a minute, I get this, I know your business, and I know taxes, and I can save you a lot of money. Well, that's a good opportunity. I save them a lot of money. They pay me some money. Everybody wins except the government, which I'm okay with that. So I think that's the difference. I think we see it as an opportunity. And once you embrace that, then change is no longer scary. You're looking forward to it. <laughs> so as you're saying that, I'm just thinking through it. So you're saying if you provide service to a customer and help them save money, you know, you're, you're in that cutthroat business <laughs> trying to save somebody money, right. that you're going to build business off of that and, and get customers? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> it seems like truck drivers complain about that. They do. I know. That's the crazy thing. Because here's why. And and I finally got this. I I kept saying to myself, why do owner-operators struggle with this concept of the customer? The customer is everything in business. And it's because we're in kind of an odd business where it's a little more difficult for some people to identify who their customer is. And that's, that's the first challenge. You know, if, if you open up a store, it's pretty obvious. Whoever just walked through the door is your potential customer. 
If you sell them something, they are your customer. In trucking, we've got a shipper, we've got a receiver, we've got a broker, we may have a carrier. Who the hell is the customer? And here's the other thing. In, in business, I, I, I'm kind of in a new business now, the whole NTP health side of things. And a lot of new NTPs are struggling with business. And I, I'm actually, if I had more time, I'd create a couple business courses for them. Um, but what they're struggling with, one thing, they're struggling with finding customers. That's really, really hard work. Well, do owner-operators have to worry about finding work? No, not in today's market. It's everywhere. Even in the slowest times. Think about the worst times ever. Rates may suck, but is there ever really a time that you can remember where you owned a truck and you couldn't find a load to pull? There was always work. May not pay as much as we'd like, but it's always there. Many, many businesses, most businesses, do not have that luxury. You start a business, you have to go find customers. You're sitting around waiting for something to do or you have to go make it happen. So you know, you quickly identify, or you you need to in business, who your potential customers are and you have to go after them. So you understand customers. In this business, because of those two reasons, one, we don't have to go find customers. They're everywhere looking for us. And two, we can't even clearly identify who the customer is. Um, We can. Many people don't. And I think that's why so many owner-operators struggle with this right now, and it's getting worse. If I could get them to do one thing, realize you do have a customer. You need to figure out how to provide value to them, and you need to figure out how to sell. Because the commodity freight is everywhere. The, the freight that really pays well, you still have to sell. We're all out of time. Thanks for joining me. We'll do it again real soon. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.